You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. Peace to those on whom the Lord's favor rests. One of the great gifts we have as human beings is our capacity to predict the future, to weigh all the different options and guess what's going to happen. And then we can plan for it. And that's a good thing. We can plan for the future. How many of you as high schoolers have been asked a hundred times in the past year, what's your plan for your future? And it's stressful because, you know, when I was in high school, I used to look at my dog and be like, that guy doesn't have to plan for his future. He just lays there. He's, I've never seen my dog with his paws over his head, stressed out about what his future holds, you know. But the problem is, and I think especially young people see it, is that we're not very good at predicting the future, what it's going to hold. More precisely, what we found out is that we, we exaggerate the impact of both good things that happen in our lives and then the bad things that happen. We exaggerate the impact that they're going to have on our happiness. Because as it turns out, when we get the exact thing that we want, that we've always wanted, it just doesn't make us as happy as we think it will. And then when something horrible happens, it's actually not as disastrous as we think it's going to be. Think about it, you finally save up all this money and you get your dream truck, you know, Ford F-350 Platinum, beautiful truck. And then a month later, the newness wears off, and it's just a truck, the big car payment. You know, costs a lot of money. Or you get your dream promotion. That's a bigger deal in some ways. And then somehow all of the insecurities that you thought would be taken care of by that promotion come right with you into your next job. Or flip that over. You know, you wreck your truck. Or you lose your job. And after the shock wears off, a year later, here you are. You're still yourself. I've been with plenty of people right at the end of their life. And I I often ask them, would you have changed anything if you could? And almost all of them say no. And I know some of them who have experienced great tragedy in their life. And they say no anyways. It's interesting. I find it fascinating. And And in some ways, it seemed obvious all along. You know, Dan Gilbert, who actually popularized this kind of whole study, he coined the phrase synthetic happiness. And it's the idea that when things don't go our way, then we rationalize it. But we rationalize it in a way that actually changes our brain in order that we can remain happy when things don't go our way. And then he contrasts that with like natural happiness, which is the rare time when things actually just do go our way. They go as we planned. But I don't buy that idea. Because I don't think synthetic happiness or natural happiness gets at the root of the thing. The study tells us that circumstances don't determine our happiness. And that's right. That's correct. But it's not because we can just make ourselves happy anyways, despite things not working out. It's because our happiness isn't determined by the things. It's determined by the end, the goal of our life. That's what determines our happiness. 
the one thing that we're living for. When we get the thing we want and it doesn't make us happy, we're disappointed because we realize we were pursuing the wrong thing. And if we don't get it and nothing really changes, then we're kind of relieved because we realize we were pursuing the wrong thing and we're kind of glad we didn't get it. Human beings are resilient. It's true. But the idea that that means we can just kind of make up our happiness, it's kind of ridiculous. If happiness could be synthesized, then why are we so unhappy? You know, 13% of our general population is on antidepressants. 18% have been diagnosed with depression. That's not good. Young people who are so idealistic historically are actually the most depressed and lonely and pessimistic of any generation right now, which is unreal. And I, I think the only numbers that matter here are, are those numbers combined with the fact that fewer and fewer people believe in God. And it matters because we can't create our happiness. We can't create meaning. It has to be given to us from the outside. Someone has to give meaning to our lives. Something bigger than us has to give meaning to our lives. It has to go beyond us, which means there has to be a God. When I look at the stark reality of the nativity, of its poverty, its simplicity, and yet when you read the story, the deep joy, the wonder, the beauty, and the magnitude of the event, the way that it's changed the world, how could that have changed the world? It just cuts through all the artificial and fleeting circumstances of life. And it's true. That's the great thing about it. It actually happened. You know, we, we read that line at the beginning of the gospel today. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus when Quirinius was governor of Syria. We actually know the year that it happened from those details. So what does that mean? You know, we, we achieve our dreams and we, we realize they don't make us as happy as, they thought, as we thought they would. Or something horrible happens and it doesn't destroy us maybe in the way that we thought it would. That's because the things of this world don't have the final word. We're made for eternity. Our God who lives in eternity showed us that by taking on human flesh, by taking on our nature and being born in a cave with the poorest of people, surrounded by shepherds and animals. So whatever your current circumstances, God enters right there, and he enters fully into whatever is happening. He enters as a man. And if you let him, he'll bring greater joy out of whatever that is that's happening. There's nothing in this world that can steal our joy if we know the Lord. Because happiness isn't some chemical balance in our brain. It's not what it is. You know, how could Mother Teresa be happy serving in the slums in Calcutta? How could Walter Chiswick have been joyful in the Russian gulags for 25 years? You know, it just doesn't happen if it's based on a chemical balance. Now, Isaiah tells us that Christ's dominion is vast and forever peaceful. And it confirms... He confirms and sustains it by judgment and justice. 
And we think about the rulers of this world. If we think just about how the world goes, how could it be that a ruler could be both peaceful and just? In the world today, that just doesn't seem possible because horrible things happen and they need to have consequences. But only self-sacrifice can accomplish that. Only a judge who steps down from his judgment seat and takes the seat of the criminal. Even in that austere manger, you know, in a poor cave, the word of the Lord spoke clearly. He came to call sinners home to him. He stepped down from his heavenly throne to suffer with us. From the beginning of his life, And not because suffering's good. It isn't. But because he has the power to bring good out of it. Even out of suffering. The happiness we have as Christians, it's it's not the happiness that the world speaks of. It's not synthetic happiness. It's deep Christian joy. The joy of knowing God loves us so much That he came into the world as a little child. 2019 years ago. And it's still changing the world today. So let this joy only Christ gives overwhelm you. Let it settle deep in your heart. And then you'll know a happiness that nothing in this world can overcome.